Welcome to Faith Bible College International's podcast, where we share spirit-filled preaching, teaching, and encouragement. For everyone living to make a world of difference in their life and the lives around them with the good news of Jesus Christ. Originally aired on February 12, 2021. great to be here today. And just to piggyback on what Pastor was saying, uh, this past, I believe it was Thursday, Billy Suddeth preached. I was doing sound. And it was the finest message on wisdom I have ever heard in my life. I want to tell you something. You need that in your spirit. And uh, I've heard wisdom messages that will put you to sleep. That one did not. That one got me. That one got me. And I want to encourage you guys that that's an important thing. So you are blessed to have not only one great preacher, but many great preachers in this school. And uh, I'm going to try to do my best. You guys ready? Um, About a year ago this month, my wife and I were able to go to a conference back when the world was the world. (laughs) And you could do things like that. We flew to Texas and... I had probably the toughest 2019 was one of the toughest years of my life. And guess what, folks? It was all here. It felt like it was here, but it was all here. My wife knows this. It was miserable. Miserable. Felt like I had got victory over it. Just call him, tell him to call later. I'll, I'll talk to him later. Um, and in this meeting at this, this church, it was a big church. We were upstairs in the balcony surrounded by tons of people, which, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. But we were there, and as we were getting ready to worship the Lord, and as we were getting ready to, to really sing, the music got real loud, and lights got real bright. And, like, I had something that, I had a panic attack. Like, what in the world? I know you're thinking, no, that can't be true. Not you. <laughs> yeah, me. It was horrible. I, my heart started racing. I started feeling a little dizzy. I sat down. We walked out of, 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 the, of, the, of the church service. We walked in the hallway, and I'm just sitting here leaning against the wall going, what's going on? So my wife was there, and we were just like, I just, my flesh wanted to go home and say, too much, it's too much for you. It's too much for you. But my spirit said, go back. We went back. We found a seat away from everybody, sat down, and I proceeded to hear a message that changed my life forever. Never again have I ever had one problem with that since that moment. And that message was big on my heart. It helped me in my ministry. It helped me in my life. And I want to share somewhat of what it was from my my vantage point. And it's titled, Who Are You Entertaining? That's the message for you today. Who are you entertaining? If you have your Bibles, which you do because you're Bible school students, uh, turn to Psalm chapter 23. We're going to look at Psalm 23 today. And I'm just going to start reading it because we all know what it says. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and lead me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nothing, no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you that it means life to us and you're gonna speak life to these students and everybody who's listening today. We thank you for what you're doing in this school and Lord, we're excited about where you're taking us. In Jesus' name, amen. This psalm is a power psalm. It's a life psalm. 
It's not just the funeral psalm. It's not just cross-stitch worthy and pillow, you know, pillow work worthy. It's more than just a sweet phrase when someone's passing away. The beginning of the psalm talks about Jesus being our shepherd. Do we trust him? It starts us off with giving us this understanding that he is who leads our steps. He, who, he is who gives us direction in our life. And that's the question we have to ask. Do we trust him? Are we struggling because we don't trust him with every step we have? He knows best. He makes us lie down in those green pastures by still waters, giving us refreshing for our souls. And if we just rest in his presence, that's what we'll find. Refreshing. Sometimes it's hard to rest. Sometimes it's hard to find those moments where God touches your life when you desperately need it because you're trying to figure things out on your own. You're trying to say, like, I'm a pastor and a preacher. I can't be struggling with this. Well, guess what? As ministers, you do. But it doesn't have to be what defines you. The problem comes up when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. When you face anxiety or you face sickness or you face pain, you face struggle, you face that church member that's talking smack about you behind your, behind the scenes and you don't know what to do and you just get all clammy about it. When you walk through those valleys and you walk through those hard times, which you may be walking through now, but you probably will walk through later when you're in ministry. Some places we go look like this valley, but we must understand that God is still the source our life, our shepherd, and our protection. The choice we make when we walk through these is do we fear evil or do we not? Do we fear what's coming at us and makes us feel this way or do we not fear it? You see, God has this thing called his rod and his staff. And his rod and his staff do two things. It protects us. It protects us from the enemies and it directs us where we're gonna go. It shows us the path we need to go, but then when the enemy comes in, he pops him on the head and takes it. That's what a shepherd's staff is for. It's what leads and directs and kind of prods, you know, so Ken's a, she Ken's a sheep, and we take the staff and we just kind of move him where we need to go. We just move him back here, little man, back here. Okay, just, I directed him. But then when the enemy comes in and when the wolves come in, it turns into a weapon of war where he just begins to pound on the wolves to defeat the enemy. That's the God that we serve. The God that protects and directs every step that you take. Everybody say amen to that. But the pivot point comes in this scripture next when it says he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. Because this is the place that changes everything. This is the place that changed everything for me. This is the place that can change everything for you in your ministry as well. In the midst of all of life, God has a table, a place for you to rest, to sit, while the world around you spins wildly out of control. You can feel confident, you can feel strong, you can hear his voice, you can encourage, encourage yourself in the Lord, you can experience all the things you need to be a strong man or woman of God while you're sitting in the midst of the destruction of the world because God has prepared a table in the presence of all these enemies. Isn't that awesome? That's what he's done. Willie, can you move that over here for me? I don't want to be way over there. And you sit at it for me too, Willie. The table, the table. And bring that stool and just go ahead and sit right down. You're going to be our, you're going to be the man of God sitting at the table. Is that cool with you? That's all right, That's all right with you? All right, have a seat right here, man. Have a seat right here. The beauty of this table is this is where you win the battles that you fight. 
You know, we've, there's been kind of a theme here at this, at this school this year, and the theme is prayer. We need to be a people in a generation who pray, who seek the Lord. And this is what this is all about. It's that place of prayer, that place of power, that place where you pour out everything you are to the Lord and watch him fill you up. He is our source. The table is the intimate places we go with God. Do you have an intimate place you go with God right now? You know, it was in Bible college where I learned how to go deep with Jesus, deeper than when I was in, in high school. And guess what? It helps me now that I'm an adult, 15 years, 16 years into the ministry. If I didn't learn how to go deep with Jesus here at Bible college, I would not be the same person today that I am now. And so do you have an intimate place where you meet with Jesus? Do you have a table in your life where you find yourself at rest, calling out the name of Jesus, waging war all around you while you just sit here and enjoy his presence? This is where God teaches us. This is where God directs us. This is where God deposits vision into our spirit. This is where God gives us confidence. This is where God speaks clearly to us. And it is an important place for you now and it's an important place for you later. It's a place that we cannot neglect. Now it's important to treat the table of God with honor. It's important because it's really about spending time with Jesus. It's really about building up that most holy faith that you have. And our time with Jesus is the most sacred and valuable thing that we have. If you wanna make it in ministry, you need to spend time with Jesus. How deep is that? I know you've never heard that before. It's the first time I've ever heard that. But if you want to make it in ministry, you need to make sure you spend time with Jesus. We have to be mindful of how we spend time with the Lord. We sit down at our table. You're the Lord. You're higher than me. And we sit down with the Lord, and we're just like, hi, Jesus, it's good. The day has been fine. It's been wonderful. I'm really scared. I'm really sore. But you know what? I'm going to get through because you're helping me. Do you like this weather? Do you think I should go here? No, no, maybe you should. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Have a good day. See, when you, when you sit down at the table of the Lord and you dominate the conversation, you're not getting what you need out of the table. We need to treat what Jesus put for us with the respect and honor. Likewise, we come and sit down with Jesus and we say, God, it's just so hard. I don't have a wife. I just can't. It, no one likes me. <laughs> and Jesus puts his hand on you, tries to comfort you, just like you don't even notice it because we come to him so often with complaints in our hearts. How many have had prayer time and left worse off than when you started? Because the table is a place where we bear our heart. But if we treat it, as going to the genie in the lamp, or if we treat it <laughs> as the HR department of heaven, and we say, this is, my, this is what I don't like about my life, this is what I don't like about who I am, this is what I don't like about what you call me to do, see you later, you leave feeling empty, broken, and even questioning whether God has even called you into something. Just gotta be careful how you treat this special place called the table of the Lord. And then you come down. There's also this type of person that treats it. You come down and the Lord has something prepared for you. You know those moments in the presence of God where you just stay there for a while, like Pastor talked about, praying through and experiencing stuff that sustains you? And you, you, you commune with Jesus. But then there's the believers that are too busy for that. So they go to the table and they get a to-go bag. 
I don't have time to spend with you today, Jesus. Just give me a little, just give me a doggy bag and let me go and, and take it with me. I'm not against you praying to Jesus in your car or anything like that. But I'm telling you, sometimes we need to sit down and just enjoy what God has for us at the moment. Treat this thing important. Treat your moments with Jesus important because they will help you in your moments in ministry. They will help you with people who are broken, who are lost, and who need direction. They don't need somebody who's too fast and too busy. They need somebody who has experienced everything that God has for them. That's what we're called to do. Everybody say the table. table. (laughs) We understand this academically. We understand this even theologically that the table is a place of victory. When the Bible says he's prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies, it has the connotation that the enemies cannot have victory over you while you sit at the table with the Lord. That it's a place where you are separated from the chaos of the world and he takes care of it while he takes care of you. But then there's the people that we entertain at our table. This is the harder part. You see, the enemy is tricky. You're playing a different person now. You're going to play the person, the man, all right? The enemy's tricky because he doesn't desire all of you. He doesn't need all of you. He just needs to have a meal or two with you. He just needs to slide into your moments, your lonely moments, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling a little bit vulnerable, when you're feeling like you made a mistake, you feel like something's not working right, and he'll just sit down and say to you, Wow, you really messed that one up. And then he'll just walk away. But you'll sit there and you'll ponder that and you'll say like, I did. I did mess that up. See, the devil just wants to have conversations with you. You know how this all started? This whole sin thing? The devil's sitting at Eve's table. (laughs) And he just said, did God really say you can't eat anything from any tree? It wasn't an honest statement. It was a lie, but it was a conversation. And that's what he happens. They come down, they sit down. Did God really say you're going to fail? He's like, no, he didn't. Well, looks like you just did, pal. And he just starts picking away one by one by one by one by one. This is a sacred place, and we need to be careful who we let sit at our table. Who we have sitting at our table. The key is to learn to ignore the voice of the enemy and kick him out of your table. After all, it's your table. It's your place. It's your moment with Jesus. You have the authority to boot him out or welcome him in. And so let me tell you something. Let me just think, let me just let you know that that's it. It's encouraging to me because we don't have to fall into the trap of being defeated every single day. But when we do, guess what? It's most likely our fault. So let me encourage you. You don't have to lose because you can just kick them out of your life every single day. This is where we're going to stay in the morning because this morning, because we, we struggle in life, not because it's God, God's lot in life to kind of like roll the dice and say, well, Johnny, you're going to have a great ministry, but Anna, you're going to struggle mightily. 
And let's see here. Gabby, you're going to claw your way to heaven, maybe. And I'm going to watch and enjoy the show. Some people believe that's what their lot's in life. Their lot in life is to struggle, is to go through pain, is to go through suffering, is to do all that and, and never find that place of victory. I don't believe for one second God is sitting here saying, like, you're going to be successful and you're going to be a failure. I believe God says, I am at everyone's table, ready to show them what it means to be a servant of the Most High God, to give you faith, to give you power, to give you authority, to help you overcome the workings of the enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood enemies, but against the rulers, the authorities, and the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the little conversations that get into our head. That's what we wrestle against. So let me encourage you right now. When you leave this school, and even now in the school, but when you leave the school and go out of this world to save souls, you don't have to walk out with your head down thinking, well, I'm not as smart as this guy. I'm not as good as this person. I'm not blah, 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 blah. That's the lie from the conversation. God has a calling for you that's your own. Embrace it, run with it, enjoy it, give everything you have to it because the Lord will bless it and make it great. I tell you, ever since Pastor preached a few, a few weeks ago and he said that almost what, 1,200 pastors a month, is that what it is? 1,200 pastors a month are leaving the ministry. How does that happen? Your church is too small. You're never going to make it. Do you see that guy on your staff? He's got big problems, and he's going to cause problems. You might want to throw him out or just kind of yell at him a little bit. Hey, hey, Pastor, I saw that funeral you did last week. That family is not happy with you. Hey, pastor, the chairs you give people in this church break. <laughs> it's not necessarily, hey, pastor, why don't you go sleep with another woman who's not your wife? It's, hey, pastor, did you hear that sermon that your friend had? It was way better than yours. It's the table, guys. It's the little things. The Bible was right, believe it or not, when it says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. When Psalm 139 says, see that there be a wicked way in me. Wicked ways are small little things that get in you. Get in you, get your attention and say, hey, pastor, you know what? I think maybe that other thing you do in life, you know, that construction work, maybe you should do that full time because you're better at that than this thing. This is how 1,400 pastors leave the ministry every month. Because they sit at the table where they should be getting refreshed from Jesus. And instead of getting refreshed from Jesus, they're getting attacked by the enemy in very, very subtle ways. We're going to fight that. I want to share with you three ways that you know you have somebody at the table that shouldn't be there. Three ways that you can know that somebody's at this table that shouldn't be here, and you need to take the authority God has given you. Three ways. Number one, there's a voice inside your head telling you that you're not going to make it. 
I've never had that in my head before. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. Okay, for everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This is the insidious nature of the wrong person at your table. (laughs) He gets into your head, and before you know it, you're losing. I'm not going to make it. What does this voice boil down to? It boils down to fear. If you have fear in your life, fear about your next step, fear about your ministry, fear about your family, fear about your church, fear about your your ability to preach, your ability to minister, your ability to go places. If you have fear in your life, then you are sitting with someone that shouldn't be there. Fear is not an attribute of the Lord. Fear of the future, fear of death, fear of failure, fear of a virus. What? Fear is a constant companion when you let it in. A constant companion. It shows you false ideas. It shows you false ceilings. It says, yeah, you're not going to make it because you're only able to go this high. You don't have the, the intellectual ability. You don't have the gravitas. You don't have the speaking ability. You don't know how to tell someone who's hurting how to get healed and whole. It keeps telling you that this is as high as you can go. Meanwhile, Jesus is up here saying, I'm up here, man. This is where you can be. This is where I want to draw you out. But fear sitting at your table says, nah, don't listen to that. I can see with my eyes how far you can go, and you can see with your eyes how far you can go. You see, fear steals faith from you. Fear changes what faith should be doing in your life. Faith says, I don't see with my eyes. I see with my spirit. When God called me, he's going to make me win. But fear says, I know God called me, but this doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. It's time as a people of God to take the table back from fear. Psalm 27, verse 1 to 2. I believe some of you know it, especially after I start talking. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Stop. This next part is a question that's rhetorical because the answer is actually nobody. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? But when we have that voice saying, you're not going to make it. You might as well quit now before you make a fool of yourself. When you get that voice in your head, it's because fear is at your table saying it's impossible. And Jesus is saying, kick him out and listen to me. Kick him out. And listen to me. You see, the plan of God for your life, let me give you a little insight, all right? The plan of God for your life is to start with you right now, okay? He's not looking at you, Christian, and he's not saying, get these five, six things fixed, and then I'll deal with you. No, the plan of God is to take you right now and bring you to where you're going to be at your very best. That's his plan for you. There's no halfway option. Just like God has no grandkids, God has no stepchildren. God has no people that are just halfway. God has no like half, man, (laughs) you know, there's a word that comes after half that people say that I don't. So we're not going to say that, but God doesn't do things halfway with his people. God doesn't say like, well, I'm going to give everything I, everything I can to you. 
you, 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 you as a couple, but you two as a couple, I'm only going to go about halfway. Two engaged people, hallelujah, you know, but this engaged couple is going to face a lot more struggle because, you know what, I just don't, I don't have enough to give you, but you guys, I can't. That's not the way God operates. Everybody has a full plan from the day you were conceived, from before the day you were conceived, that God has for you. Number two, number one is there's a voice inside of you saying, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> and number two, another reason to know that there's someone at the table that shouldn't be there is there's a voice telling you that you're not good enough. That you're not good enough. Do you ever feel that way? Yeah. <laughs> Willie, yeah, man, I have. I have felt that way, man. Not no more. N not no more. Not no more. That's the way we should be. The Bible says in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He may give it to you. One of the greatest weapons the enemy has against ministers is anxiety. The anxious feeling of just, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. We're breaking that today in Jesus' name. And it's just the little things. So you're sitting down in your conversations and saying, wow, I wish I could be like that person or, or I wish I could make a difference or I wish I could preach or teach or sing or build or fix or run or worship or pray like them. Man, I wish I could be like that person. These anxious thoughts are designed to cripple your ministry. Why? Because your ministry has eternal consequences that are going to change someone's life forever. But when he can throw anxiety by sitting at your table and poking you and saying, you can't do enough, that's designed to cripple what God has already started in you to be great. The longer we allow it at our table, the harder it is to get rid of it. The longer we allow these things to get into our head, the harder it is to get rid of it. You know, let's sit down and say, you know, I know, you know you're not going to get good grades this year, so you might as well just go play more video games. You might as well just stop trying because you're just not good enough to get, be an A student, so settle for C and have some fun. Or, you know, you've already sinned, and, you know, sin, sin before the Lord, so you might as well just go all the way. That's what it feels like when you don't feel like you're good enough. We take some mistakes that we made which God wants to redeem, fix, teach you through, pull you out of, and make you great again. But instead, because we don't feel good enough, we just go the other way. I've already made this, I might as well make another one. I'm not gonna do this, why even try? Why even try? But realizing who you are in Christ gives you the faith and boldness to tell that liar that he is no longer welcome at your table. Remembering who God made you in the, in the moments when you were at your worst helps you remember that he still cares about you. Last time I checked, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Not while we put our life back together, not while we spent two years in Bible college, while we were broken and sinners, he died for us. 
That's the God that we serve. So everything that tries to pull you away from that, everything that tries to make you feel like, I'm not going to try because I'll just fail and, and it'll be bad and it'll be it's just no good. It's going to destroy everything I do. That's the devil. That's the lie. That's the, the, the person, the spirit, the idea that's sitting in your most holy, precious moments of alone time with Jesus that we just need to kick him out and say, this is not who I am, devil. This is not who I am, Satan. This is not who I am. And then you stand up, you open your Bible, and you say, let me remind you who I am, devil. I am anyone is in Christ. He's a new creature. I'm a new person, devil. The old is gone. That old person you used to to bug at that table, that old person that felt like he didn't have what it takes or that he didn't have a good enough speaking voice or he couldn't talk or he couldn't move or he couldn't run around or whatever, that old person that I was is no longer the man I am today because of what Jesus did in my life. Can somebody say amen to that? How about this one? Hallelujah. For the sake of, for the sake, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin that we could become the righteousness of Jesus. The devil may look at you and say, you've made too many mistakes to be used. And Jesus is sitting at the table and said, nope, you're my righteousness. <laughs> you're my righteousness. I see the mistakes you made, Willie. But you know what? You're my righteousness. And you can stand up, put your chest out a little bit with a little bit of holy, uh, holy joy and say, I'm the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's who you are. That's who God called you to be. And you know what? The Bible also said there is no respecter of persons. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. He can do it for you. Even if your name is Guptal, he can do it for you too. <laughs> Praise God. God. I'm telling you, this is the God that we serve. Amen. This is the God that we serve. The God that we serve wants his table back. The God that he serves wants your ear back. God has given you authority over your table. So don't settle for the confusion of this world. Pray and seek God to give you clarity, to be able to hear his voice, to hear his thoughts, to hear his direction, to know what God is saying. Pray that God will, will take away, um, We'll take away the, the, the need to guess. I don't know what I'm going to do in ministry. I guess I'll be a pastor. Or I guess I'll be an evangelist. I guess I'll be a missionary. God has a vision for you. He has a purpose for you. And he will give it to you at the table of the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah to that. Don't settle for fear and worry. He has confidence to put inside of you. Hebrews says let us approach his throne with confidence. It's a powerful place, minister of the gospel. And it's been perverted by an evil, evil system that wants to keep you down. But there's one other thing that I want to share with you as Heather comes up and, and plays. I'm always more anointed when my wife plays. Hallelujah. Number one is you think you're not going to make it. Number two is you keep saying they're not good enough. Number three, the third reason how you know there's someone at your table that shouldn't be there is you feel like somebody else's table is better than yours. <laughs> Let me be a little open with you. There was a time in youth ministry, I told my youth ministry class, all two of you, too strong. <laughs> I told them that 
There was a time in youth ministry that for high school, we had about 130, 140 kids. And that should have been the time where I was most in love with my table. But you know that when the enemy gets into your head and starts feeding you lies, you start even looking at other people's table when, 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 when they're all looking at yours. So don't think for a second just because you have success and all this stuff that you can just kind of like relax. Because even in the most successful moments, you can sit here and Jesus is talking to you, but you're busy kind of goosenecking it over to somebody else and say, how come I don't have what they're having? How come I don't have what they have? I share all this because I love you. And I don't think anyone has to do this. Nobody has to go through these traps. Not one of you has to wonder if you're good enough or, or if you're going to make it. Or you have to wonder why someone else has something you don't have. But when you have someone, something sitting in your most precious moments with Jesus, telling you things to make you look everywhere, everywhere else, you need to stand up. You need to kick him out of your life. And you need to stand firm and close to Jesus and, and just say, have mercy on me, Christ. Have mercy on me. I don't like bringing up my bad year anymore. I did for a while. I don't like bringing it up because it's not fun. It's not fun. I was 37 years old and I thought I was going to die of heart problems. It was the devil. But it wasn't until I decided to kick him out of my mind that I found victory. I sat at my table day after day trying to talk to Jesus, but instead of listening to what Jesus was saying, I was here with a head turned towards the devil saying all kinds of stuff about me. You know what he was saying? Man, you see that parent the other day? Yeah, he loves God too. God's taking care of him. He's running with his son. You'll never be able to run with your son anymore. That other table looked a lot nicer to me. Terrible lies, absolute lies. But when you believe them, they become your truth and you have a hard time getting out of it. But it wasn't until I stopped praying through tears of pity and started praying with a hard, strong voice of confidence and faith that things started changing. How do we kick these voices out of our lives? I apologize if this is offensive, but it doesn't happen when you do this. Oh God, I'm so tired. I'm so scared. I don't know what I'm gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been there. And you know that doesn't work. What happened was, in the middle of one of those prayers, I got annoyed with myself. And I said, what is wrong with you? And I stood up, off, bowing at my couch, and I started pacing back and forth, and I started saying, I'm a new creation in Jesus' name. I'm different. I serve a God who's bigger. 
I serve a God who's got a plan for me. What God has put in my life, no enemy can scatter, no enemy can destroy. And I began to march back and forth in my house. I began to take communion every single day. And I say, this body, this body was broken for me. Devil, you hear that? For me. I started taking confidence and strength from the God who's always been at my table that I've ignored, that I've looked back. And I'll tell you what, it changed everything about me. You don't have to go down that path. You can stop it. You know what's the good thing about us? I was going to say old guys, but Andy Dreyer's right there. So us middle-aged guys. <laughs> you know what's good about us? Is we've been there and you don't have to go there. This is the moment where you kick them out of your life. This is the moment that you kick that devil out of your head. You kick him out of your table. You say, no mass, no more. I'm not going to put up with it. I'm going to serve Jesus every day of my life. Call me crazy, but I don't believe any one of you have to go through what I've been through and what some of us old timers, quote, have gone through. None of you. You all can learn from us and say, you know what? I heard Pastor Paul many, many, many years ago, maybe, talk about hearing these voices in your head. And you know what? I'm going to stand up from that, and I'm going to pace, and I'm going to cry out to Jesus with faith and confidence, and we're going to kick that devil out of my seat. The issue is, is that some of you have someone at your table now. Some of you have someone at your table now and it's causing you to not work as hard because you don't think you can. It's causing you not to dream as big because you don't think you can. And it's causing you to settle when God doesn't want you to settle. And I'm here to tell you that God is about to break that in your life today. In Jesus' name. He's gonna break that in your life. How many, you know, just think about it. Have you ever felt that the dream God put in you is laughable? That's okay. That's okay. Have you ever told someone and they laughed at you? Maybe you have, but they're not the person you need to tell. You know, when, when Joseph told his brothers about his dream, they tried to kill him and then they pretended he died. So sometimes you don't share that with other people. You keep it close to your heart. You grow and watch God pull you into that dream. But some of you have lost it already. It's first, second, third, fourth year in Bible college. and You've been listening to the wrong voice at your table. God has, doesn't matter if you have mac and cheese and, and chicken nuggets. Somebody else has a filet steak and caviar. Of course, I think caviar is disgusting, but some people like it. And you're not, you don't even have good mac and cheese. It's like the no-name brand, the knockoff craft dinner. And then the, the, the great value nuggets that are like cardboard and stuff. And you're like, this is where I'm at in my walk with God. I'm just learning. But you see someone over here sitting down at a five-course meal with all this stuff, enjoying the presence of God, doing things that you could never even imagine you do. And, and what happens is we look at these people who have gone through the ringer, who have gone through so much to get to where they're at, and we sit here and listen to that voice saying, they had it easy and you have it hard. It's a lie. It's okay to be where you're at right now because God's gonna take you somewhere else tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And when you get out, you'll hear stories about people in your, in your class who are up here quicker than you and you'll hear stories who are still down here. And that's not, that's not meant to make you feel all 
self-conscious, that's mean you are, that means you are supposed to celebrate the wins and you're supposed to pray for and pick up the losses. That's how we deal with everyone else's table. So tonight, I want to encourage you guys to be open with, with what's going on in your spirit. If you feel like you've been listening to the wrong person at your table, even now in Bible college, we're, I, want you to, I want you to get ready to come to this altar and we're going to pray over you that you will be free from that. Because guess what? The whole thought, well, when I get out of here, it'll be easier. That's a lie too. This is where you make mistakes. This is where you grow. This is where you learn. This is where you have teachers and professors that love you and are gonna pick you up. When you make mistakes and you have to have meetings with people, it's not because they hate you, it's because they're helping to turn you and mold you into the man or woman they know you can be. That's what this is for. But if we can't fix this now, it's gonna follow you out there and you're gonna find yourself with those big questions. Should I leave or should I stay? I don't believe any of you have to leave the ministry because we're gonna break this today and you're gonna keep it broken in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to know more about Faith Bible College International, please go to faithbci.org. And find out how you can enroll in our programs or partner with our mission. Again, thank you for listening to FBCI Podcast. Join us next time for more teaching and encouragement. Remember, you make a world of difference.